right. In today's episode of The Money Lab, we get to talk about money stories around money battles, name brand clothes, and controlling allowances. Welcome to The Money Lab podcast episode number 94, The Money Battle for Allowance Money Story. All right, welcome to the Money Lab podcast. I am your host, Wei Hong, and this is the podcast where we talk about money stories, tips, strategies, and interviews with some amazing people so that you can be inspired to create a lifestyle free of bad money stories, money anxiety, and stress. There is a complimentary ebook that goes with this show. Uh, it's called From Money Anxiety to Six Figure Mastery. Make sure you go to go.thesixfigureacademy.com and get it there. It's the perfect complement to all things we discuss on this show. It's free. And we've been, quite frankly, we've been told that it could change your life. Now, while you're there, subscribe so that you don't miss an episode and can catch us every single week. For all other ways to find us, go to the sixfigureacademy.com forward slash radio for all the details. And if there's something that you love about what you hear on this episode today that you know could help someone you care about, remember sharing is caring. Share the show to that person. Now, I'm really excited about our guest today because our guest today didn't start off her life as an entrepreneur. In fact, she didn't even think about wanting to become an entrepreneur until I think she came into my world. That's correct. <laughs> okay, so... Um, but our guest today is actually a very cool individual that does a lot of good, Was is a school teacher and an entrepreneur. She's the owner and creator of the Superhero Sports Camp, and I'll let her talk about what that is. And she's also a certified practitioner of the human uh, patented human assessment technology that we use in our, a lot of our businesses called the Ultimate Life Tool. She's an energy healer, and she also volunteers for multiple organizations based on all, all that she does during her day job in her business supporting kids but more importantly what's so cool about it all is that it's all about special needs kids so i would like to welcome carol schreiner to the show welcome to the show thanks way thanks for having me yeah thanks for finally coming on i think i've been asking you to be on this show because of all the cool things that you do for a really long time and yeah. now you're finally here so why don't we all give her a standing around <laughs> It's been so long. I mean, literally, it's been like a year or two uh, of me trying to get her on the show to share all the good stuff that she actually does. So, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, let's get that whole piece out of the way because, you know, the whole thing about this show is about money stories. Mm -hmm. And, and that's why I called it the money lab. And so, you know, it's always interesting. I always want to make sure that people can hear the money stories of entrepreneurs and what you've actually had to go through to, you know, overcome or surpass or come to resolution with so that you can actually open up uh, money flow in a way, especially as an entrepreneur, right? Um, so let's talk about your money story. I mean, what was the money story that you grew up with uh, in your in your life? Okay. Um, so when I was a kid, um, the two big things as a kid, it's hard to talk about as a childhood because I have such a different perspective now, uh -huh. but kind of taking away my knowledge of now, um, I got to play whatever sport I wanted, which I'm super grateful for. And I know there are fees to go with every sport that I played. And I was in three sports and marching band. Um, band camp? Yep. This one time in band, band camp. camp? <laughs> <laughs> 
We won't go to that one. But anyway, <laughs> I, I, my band camp was very innocent, so I don't know. As was anybody. mine. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. So, um, and, and, and it's, you said it, you know, it's interesting. You know, people have been saying that, and I don't remember. I guess maybe I never, my parents were just so shielded, shielded me so much from the money. I didn't even know there was a cost associated with the sports that I played. But I guess even in public school, there's, there's costs, right? Well, I, I can only tell you that now because my mom kept everything of my childhood and then handed me this giant box here you go and sh- there were receipts for the bus fees <laughs> and stuff like that wow. wait she, she kept, kept the receipts for the bus fees. yes <laughs> and, and, and did she care did she keep that to say look how much i invested in you what are you doing with That's your life quite possible that it was <laughs> a little passive aggressive i know okay <laughs> okay so let's let's talk more about so 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 okay you you there was a lot of money spent on on that right which in in the moments when i was playing those sports i didn't realize the fees that were involved with it i just said i wanted to play softball and they said okay go for it cool right. um but the other side of that um that i did feel and notice is if something cool came out like guest jeans were big when i was in school yeah um i didn't get those I don't know what it is about guest jeans. It's also pretty triggering in my world because I think there's a big, huge drama piece that showed up in um, in my our household around guest jeans. My sister had to have guest jeans. It's so funny. I went to like I think it was China or Taiwan, and they had they didn't have guests. They had do mm. with an exclamation point. They had do jeans. Do <laughs> it's like yeah, forget guessing. Just do it. <laughs> do. Okay, and it was a lot cheaper than guest jeans. I think it was an off-brand. It was Chinese people. But anyway, so... It's the action brand. Yeah, so I, <laughs> I know, instead of just guessing, you yeah. know, why guess? Just do. Um, so so what is... I don't know what it is about guessing, but I guess it was, you know, in our... I guess we're dating ourselves because, you know, a lot of the young people here and there's a guest jeans. What What is that? Is that? Are they doing even have guest jeans anymore? I think so. Oh, they do? Yeah. Okay, cool. So I, I don't feel that bad. But so, so guest jeans, so when they came out, you wanted to guess. You wanted to have some guests. Yeah. Because everybody else is wearing them and buying Correct. them. Correct. That, that the Cabbage Patch doll. I cabbage Patch doll, Esprit. And I didn't get those. Right. Okay. Yep. So the Esprits and yep. is Esprit still on? No, it's not. It can't I be. I, don't, I haven't seen it. It can't be. Okay. So Esprit, guess. <laughs> cabbage Patch kids. Monchi cheese. No. No. You guys didn't. Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe that was just me <laughs> and my sister. I don't know. For those of you who are watching this and can comment on whether or not you remember the Monchi cheese, if you don't, Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> I even remember the commercial song. Oh my but it, gosh, that's funny. <laughs> so okay, so you wanted guest jeans, but they, but you couldn't get it. Right. Um, and the cool thing in the moment back then, as a kid, was it was because everybody had it that I wanted it. But I wasn't super into fashion. I was tomboy, so I was worried about my sports clothes more. More so than the yeah. guest jeans. Like yeah. ah, whatever. Yeah. Right. So it didn't totally demolished me as a kid that I didn't have that but had they been provided I would have been like yay <laughs> oh yeah I get to have some guest jeans which I'll probably ruin just playing sports you Pretty know and, and for those of you who are watching the video and stuff like that um you know Carol because of what she does um she's she's dressed on purpose to convey her particular brand which is to be active and that's her thing she's she's a you're a uh, physical education teacher for uh, special needs kids mm-hmm. and you run a sports camp so entire your entire lifestyle is just sports yeah right and, and then work out yeah and you went to work out before coming here yep. you know and you walk and skateboard everywhere you go yes right 
It's kind of nice. Okay, so so going back to your story, totally digress. So you go back to your story. So so the money was spent for clothes, but not on clothes that ha- didn't have to do with your activities. Right. Were your parents athletes, or were they active? Or, um, my dad was a handyman, so he was very physical in that setting, in the sense of, um, you know being outdoors, I actually got my first pair of roller skates from him. So he was active. My mom was not. What did your first pair of (laughs) roller skates look like? I still have them. It's so cool. What? Yeah. You still have them? Yes. Oh. My dad got a pair of van shoes. They're blue and white. And they're so small that the smallest truck that he could make to put the skates on was still bigger than the shoes. Mm -hmm. So the metal base goes out past the, the actual tennis shoes that are on it so you're already skateboarding on a in a, in a foot by foot skateboard you know each foot had its own skateboard basically yeah exactly <laughs> yeah it was great my dad made the pair and i was on skates probably as soon as i could walk wow and my mom made a little butt pillow awesome <laughs> to protect my tailbone so she'd put it down my shorts and off i'd go wow you know you know it's I, I could still. I wouldn't even say one up. I could down up, uh, down, uh, up one one down you. <laughs> At least you had shoes, right? That you could. My first pair of ro- were all metal. Was it the straps? No, not even straps. It was molded or forged metal. <laughs> I swear to God, these that were like so these archaic. are. Th- these was like roller skates <laughs> that when Thor walked the earth. I mean, it was. It was forged. It's like metal that had like you know if you can, it's adjustable. Oh you, you yeah, push it I know it, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and then you wear your regular shoes. Yeah, and you put it on, and then the wheels were metal. <laughs> the wheels were metal, and so after a while, you could see all the divots of where all the the gravel and the rocks that right. ran, we ran over. And you feel everything when you're everything. rolling. Everything. <laughs> That's probably why I have cracks in my legs, my bones, in my body, just from. The metal, metal roller skates. I wonder if those are still around because my parents are such hoarders. They probably are. I, next time I go, I'm going up this weekend. Maybe I'll go check out and see if I can find it. There you go. So, okay. So your dad So your dad was somewhat into activities. Yeah. Um, mom, not so much. Um, so so let's, let's, let's fast forward then. So, so how, what, what, what's, what, what story developed as a result of that, that childhood? I mean, what else did you observe that created a story for you? So what I did observe is anytime money was discussed between my parents, um, it was heated. So I actually developed, um, like if say we're at the dinner table and we're all eating and they start talking about something money wise and they, you know, voice levels rise and you can feel the tension. Mm. I would actually start singing. Mary had a little lamb louder than they were talking to get them to stop because you remember that I do. Yeah. Because they would have to turn and tell me to shut up, but it worked because they're no longer, arguing at the table yeah it's funny that you say that because you know kids do the most interesting things some kids develop um stuttering because of those types of circumstances Mm -hmm. and so not knowing what to do you basically started doing it so your your coping mechanism was to um start singing a song Mm -hmm. mary had a little lamb right just just louder just enough louder than they were talking Mm -hmm. and it would disrupt them wow and it's fascinating because it that side, it's not a money story necessarily, but it developed a very Pollyanna view. So right. if anything was outside of the bubble of like, oh, happy and things are great, I wouldn't know la, how la, to. La, yes, la, 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 yes, la, 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 exactly that. And, and did you, or tears. 
Like I, even if okay. it was a simple conversation, couldn't handle it. Okay. So did you find yourself, I mean, that in itself is a money story because it started, it was, it was stimulated by money conversations or stre- stress around money at home. So did you find that showing up later in life as a, uh, a particular story that may not have always necessarily served you in the best way? Oh, absolutely. Uh-huh. Uh, the entrepreneur piece, uh-huh. I, who am I to be that? Okay. I can't run a business. Okay. And how did the money story translate to you believing that or seeing yourself as not being able to run a business though? You have to have money to create it and mm-hmm. the business sense, which mm-hmm. in my perspective, like if you're, if you have business sense, there's money piece around that in order to develop it and keep it going and maintain it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so I wanted to do more in the first five years of my teaching, but squash that idea because I was like, I'm just a teacher. <laughs> I'm just a teacher. Now you're an entrepreneur and a teacher, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, so so um, there's more to that story though, right? There was more to just the fact that, you know, when it came to money, there was some battling going on, right? There's a whole piece around um, allowance too, yeah, so and I it's did, not your allowance. No, did you I, guys get allowance? Did nope. any of the kids get allowance? There, I have three sisters. So there's four girls total. Wow. And I don't know about my older two. Maybe because there's a bit of an age gap between them and I. Okay. Um, there's 13 years between my oldest sister and youngest. Wow. So when my oldest sister was moving out of the house to go to college, my youngest was starting kindergarten. Wow. Yeah. It's like uh, lifetime mommy ship. Or yep. lifetime parenting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the cool part of that was I was youngest, middle child, and oldest hmm. because of those age gaps. But the allowance piece, so I, for me, I did not get an allowance. Mm-hmm. Um, the allowance piece that we're talking about was actually from for my mom. Wait, so you wait, <laughs> so your mom got an allowance? Yes, and I didn't learn this until after my dad passed away okay. in 2012, um, and she was explaining to me right. that um, he would give her an, an allotted amount, weekly or monthly, I'm not sure, um, to run the household. Okay. So to get food, grocery money. Is that an allowance, or was it just kind of like a budget? Was it? Uh, yeah, you could, I mean, either one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But she also... Um, couldn't spend money like freely. I mean, she had to follow. No, when that was up, it was it. That was it. Even for her own round. needs or her. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. And then, and then the children were never, never given the freedom to like. Okay, here's twenty bucks to go. Whatever. Oh no. You had to ask for everything. Yeah. Okay. And was turned down a lot. In fact, um, in my senior year of high school, the marching band went to Australia, uh-huh. which was amazing. Right. And I recycled to earn my trip. So I paid for that trip. Oh, because did you did you ask your parents to, to, to and they said no? I, I don't remember that part. Okay. So I don't know if there was a discussion. It, I was never told no, um, but I'm guessing that the conversation went yes and you're going to pay for it. Interesting. How much was it to, well, how much did you, for recycling? You recycled the whole time? Yeah. So what did My you, how much did you end up collecting? His, um, his handyman van had like that roll up door uh-huh. in the back. And so we'd uh-huh. roll it up and I'd put trash cans in the back. And so the initial part, I went to all the neighbors and talked to them, like 
instead of putting your stuff on the street for the city, will you keep it on the side for me? And every Sunday, my dad and I will come pick it up. So everyone that said yes, my dad mapped out the route and he would pull up. I'd take an empty bin and I'd go switch. And while he's going to the next house, I'd sort the recycling into the containers. And then when we had enough in the backyard, we would load up his trailer every, you know, like one Saturday a month and go to the recycling center and cash it in. He would, so let's say I made um, $20.78. He kept the 78 cents for being the driver (laughs) and I got the dollar bill. All the dollars. All the dollars. Yeah. So he got the he got the spare change. Yeah. It's like one of it's like one of those uh, investment apps where they you just invest the change, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'll just skim off the change, you know. Um, so okay, go. Cool. So what happened was, how much did you need to save for that? Um, it was over a grand. Wow, that's a lot of recycling. So I think they paid for the trip up front, uh-huh. and then oh, you paid them back. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that that's that's kind of cool. And I mean, one of the other reasons that I did the recycling is because um, because of the sister right above me um, fell asleep at the wheel one house away. So then after that, my parents decided you don't get your driver's license till you're 18. So I couldn't go get a job to pay for it. Oh. Wow! No way to get there. Okay, and and were you living in an area where you you couldn't really walk or bike or? Um, maybe bike, but if I had night shifts, I don't think. Oh yeah, that would. Plus, I had I played sports. Okay. Any every if I was in three different sports and marching band, that's all year long. Right. I've got a season where I've got practices. You know, band practice was Wednesday night. Volleyball was whatever nights in, right. in between that. So. Hmm. so so basically your money story growing up was one, when there was always money when money was discussed, there was fighting, mm-hmm. tension, it was stress. Heating, yeah. And then what you would do as a coping mechanism would be to Pollyanna or sing or just la 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 mm-hmm. la and not deal with it. Correct. Did you show did you see that behavior show up later in life at all when you were dealing with money issues? Oh, all the way until about four or five years ago. With okay. all this energy work and okay. everything that I've done okay. on top. Yeah. Then I was able to break that. But yeah, later wow. in life, it would show up like um, the relationship I was in. Just a, hey, we need to talk about this. And I would just be like. Whoa. Oh, you, it would just I, be. I just couldn't. It was like an I, inappropriate yeah, expression of just like emotion. We're talking about needing to pay this bill like you're not in trouble like i wasn't in trouble he never yelled at me he was super respectful even toned he wouldn't raise his voice so there weren't those triggers but it was just an honest conversation and i couldn't hack i couldn't handle it wow okay so 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 that's one story and the other story was when you wanted something other than and do you think maybe you're so physically active and your whole life revolves around physical activity is because Everything else that wasn't related to that was never funded or given money money to do that. Hmm. I never thought of that, but yeah, that totally makes sense. I mean, every time I see your posts and everything like that, you're doing something. Oh yeah, you're like active. You're yep. like you know working out or 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 teaching kids how to work out or doing sports things or anything. Yeah. I mean, most of everything that you're doing, hiking, whatever, is mm-hmm. around activity. Um, yeah, no, I guess there are moments where you actually go out, but that's like network. It's like even work, right? Yeah. Um, but to just to go out and I, I guess maybe. I mean, but... I'm movement based. Yeah. The ULT test. Um, <laughs> right. But that's that's my first door, so yeah. that's definitely a piece of it. But yeah, it's. Huh. 
So that's interesting. So okay, so and because it's so, but it's fascinating though. Imagine if like your activities weren't funded, but your clothing was funded. Mm. How would your life be different then? Right? Yeah. What would you be drawn towards? Because you know. Money paid for your activity, so that was like almost like a reward, right? But if you want anything to be to be girly or to be pretty, it's like no. no yeah. Well, oh wow. That, <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. So it wasn't until maybe ten, fifteen years ago. Right. Um, I'm in my forties, so just so you can kind of calibrate that. <laughs> um, that I couldn't stand pink to the point where. If a three-pack of Kleenex boxes, one of them was pink, right. I wouldn't buy it. So I, like, so embraced that. It's like that pink triggered. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not girly. <laughs> wow. But you're a girl. I am. Well, I am. And now I like being girly, too. But yeah. it took a while to get there. Wow. Because you were never rewarded to be girly. I mean, right. you, in fact, when you did things that were more active and playing softball and playing volleyball and all those different things, you were rewarded for doing that. You never had to struggle around that. But if mm-hmm. it was like um, a pair of guest jeans, it was a battle. Yeah. You actually had to go, oh, do I even ask for that? Right. And then you stopped asking, I'm sure. At some oh, point. totally. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And then and then the whole allowance piece, that's a whole nother money story too, where whether it be, it could be like, you know, you're not your 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 expenditures or your money was maybe dictated by another figure and giving you structure. Right. Yeah. And did that show up in your past relationships as well, in terms of ex- hoping or waiting for um, whoever it is, your significant other, to like dictate how money should be spent or how money should be used, especially if you guys were living together? Or um, no, I didn't have that piece as far as like day to day living. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely like if we were gonna go into like a business type right. thing together, mm-hmm. I would be like, "You're the numbers guy. Like, you go. I trust okay. you." Okay. And as a result, did you know any of the numbers going? Um, be- only because I liked watching him work, okay. and so it would inspire me to like. Well, I don't want him to have to keep explaining everything to me, so I'm going to step into this gotcha. and learn. But it was just, not just, um, the the concept of me wanting to do that was to have a base knowledge, but not learn it in the sense that I'm going to jump in and I'll run the books. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And do you think that was because because of just the dynamic of how money was? Because I know in our, in, in our household, nobody was allowed to even like discuss, talk, or deal with money because my dad took care of everything. And he says, you don't have to worry about that. Your job is to be a student. That's it. That was my dad's famous line. Don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry about it. So when he died, there were... Lots of worries. There were lots of things uncovered. Hello. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, and, and that's unfortunately is more, it's a story that's more common than than most of us realize. I mean, and it's, and it's hard to see beyond like, like oh, we're... Or because we're living it, right, and then be and then having that happen. So with all that 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 happened, and I think a lot of people are, uh, you know, a lot of people who want to be entrepreneurs or have ideas that they want to kind of bring to light. You know, um, how did you then end up deciding? You know what? Forget it. And was it before or after you took care of the money so that you said, "I think I'm going to be an entrepreneur now. I think I can do it." Um. The the business came before mm-hmm. cleaning up the money story. Okay. And did it trigger? 
funny stories when you st- when you were yeah there's definitely pieces um like it a couple things that still creep in are what i charge mm-hmm. i'll be like eh, should i is that right should i do that um so you think a money story is actually impacting your 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 um I guess freedom to feel like you can charge what you want. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Are you are you charging what you want yet? Mm, I still kind of haven't found that sweet spot, and it's funny right. because the, the first time I did the camp, I was like, "Heck yeah, that price is right! Like it's covering my costs, and I'm putting a lot for these kids." Right. Um, but that doesn't stay, and then I waffle later back to, "Oh, gotcha. but I know this mom." You know, they have their money story and right. they're struggling. So how can <laughs> so I So you help buy them? into their money story and everything. <laughs> you know, you know, and, and what I love about what you're sharing right here right now is that, you know, just because, you know, you're a guest on the show, a lot of people say, oh, my God, you have these amazing guests. But I have guests that are from all different, you know, stages mm-hmm. in entrepreneurship. And what I love of what you're sharing right now is that you're sharing something that I think almost every entrepreneur goes through, which is, what do I charge? Is it too much or is it too little? And sometimes a lot of people don't start because simply because they don't know what to charge instead of just saying, just go. And I think you also dealt with that a little bit in the beginning. It's like not launching because you just didn't know what to charge. Oh, definitely. Not not launching because I didn't have a business name yet. Not launching because I didn't know what to charge. Not launching because I wasn't sure where to hold the camp. Right. Um, and, you know, being around you and your energy and you know when i just surrounded myself um, around brilliant people and oh yeah just, well, brilliant <laughs> <laughs> i have my moments <laughs> and just stepped in and just did it yeah um so i actually had three different business names the third one is the one that is the superhero sports camp uh-huh. but it it was a couple others before that but if i waited until i like that name came because I started doing it. And then I was like, ah, this is a little uh, bit okay. better. So, so it wasn't until you actually started taking action on just say, just go just, yeah. that that name showed up. Yep. But prior to that, you were probably analysis paralysis. Just oh, kind yeah. Of like figuring out what's the perfect name and what's the perfect logo. And, and, and what are you going to charge? Yeah. And, and, and how stuck were you at like not, I'm not knowing what to charge. I mean, how long did you worry at that stuck point? Um, I'd say I'm still a little bit in it. The camp is two years old. Okay. Um, but despite and that, bas- you still went forward. I did, right. yeah. And basically, I just went with people I trusted, their mm-hmm. suggestion. I was like, okay, yeah. done. And did you have to adjust? Did you ever get feedback from the from your audience? That, and then you adjusted pricing accordingly as you were going along? So that's been interesting. I think that's why this is still an area that I need to work on is that I've had a handful of parents be like, your camp is brilliant. We totally get it. Here's the check. Here's our kid. Go. Not questioning the what I'm charging whatsoever. at all. Mm-hmm. And then I've had others that every time they reach out to me, I, I think we can get it together. Is there any way that you could give me a break on, you know, if I bring my son, right. you know, can you give me a break on signing up my daughter? Uh-huh. Um, those those mm. kinds. So I have a an even balance of both reactions, and that makes it very like. 
And it must be, cha- I don't know, it must be challenging for because what you're doing is helping people beyond just like, hey, fun camp. It's because you're working with special needs kids. And, and before I, you know, give away too much, because I want you to talk about what it is that the camp does and what makes it unique. But the fact that it's doing such, you know, this deep, profound work in impacting these kids' lives, it's hard to say, sorry, I, my prices are my prices, right? Oh, 100%. And that's, that's what the kids drive me. It's not, you know, making six figures. Mm-hmm. That doesn't light me up. Mm-hmm. I, I honor and appreciate money. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's going to help my camp thrive mm-hmm. making it. Right. Um, but my driving force is tapping into those kids and playing with them. Mm-hmm. So when I get those stories, I default to, to just bring the kid to the camp because that's mm-hmm. why this exists. Like, right. Okay, I'm. That's not going to cover the insurance part and all that other stuff. <laughs> right. But y- you've seen mm-hmm. you being the parent have seen the results of your kid being at the camp. And what is it worth? Right? Yeah. I mean, is it worth you kind of doing what it takes? And and that boggles my mind because I, I I you know as you know I, I work with teenagers as well uh, and not as a main thing but it just happens and you know it's always interesting when um, new new uh, teenagers get referred to me and the parents and it's about changing their lives and I don't I don't get like the, the, the normal teenagers that are just like oh I'm just here to like you know go from an A minus to an A plus no and um, get a pair of guest jeans yeah and pair of guest jeans <laughs> no let me give you a do you know I, I know people no um, and so you know you get these kids where their lives are str- their lives are some of them are in danger mm-hmm. and it breaks my heart when a parent goes we can't afford it, even though they were referred to me saying because nothing else was working up right. to that point. Right. And, and so there is that money story that runs so deep in so many people. Um, it's it's heartbreaking, especially if you're doing good work. And I think what I love about what you're saying is because so many entrepreneurs are doing it not for the money. They're doing it because they're trying to solve a particular problem for their mm-hmm. audience. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, a lot of entrepreneurs are in that space. They come, at least the ones in my world anyway. I mean, I know there's entrepreneurs out there who don't care. They just want to go make the money, right? right? And then we see what happens to a lot of them. But uh, but those who are on a greater, bigger mission, they tend to say, yeah, okay, that's fine. And then added to a, de- to a, to a detriment. Now, every right. once in a while, like for example – when I run a course, sometimes when I run my course, every once in a while I'll give myself, okay, we'll have one, um, what's it, what's the word, uh, scholarship, yeah, one scholarship per year, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like so we can find that one person that you know. But but what happens? I think there's a bad money story running for for those entrepreneurs that default to that. I actually saw someone you know in in a similar position like like yours, but they didn't even wait for the client to say oh could you do something they say they gave their price but if you and they immediately started to discount it did you ever do that or did you um yes okay. but that i learned that from your <laughs> s- stuff that you taught me really quick so that only happened like once or twice yeah and then i stopped yeah and, and you feel the difference right oh and totally so so it's so it's a really interesting thing so let's talk about i know okay so we got that whole money piece out we talk about money story and the, what money story and hopefully if you're watching this or listening to this um you probably there's some there's a lot of layers to that story that you could probably a lot of us can relate to i could relate to some of it just because of how my dad was and stuff like that and mm-hmm. sometimes i'm thinking say are you sure you're not 
not Asian too? It's weird. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so um, so superhero sports camp. Let's talk about that. I mean, I mean, what? Okay, for those, there's probably somebody out there who's thinking about becoming an entrepreneur. In fact, I know there are people that listen to this that are just kind of on the fence. Yeah. You know, and I remember you telling me when you were about to make the leap, you know, say, and, and I think uh, some, one of my marketing guys was interviewing and then you basically said, I never even thought I'd be an entrepreneur. Oh, right? no way. And, and yet there was a shift that happened. And then, so let's talk about that journey because I think there are a lot of people out there, aside from dealing with similar money stories or bad money stories or, you know, that are keeping them stuck, also struggle with, well, I want to be an entrepreneur. No, it's not possible. Maybe I'm not an entrepreneur, you know, dealing with that sitting on the fence piece. And yet there's something down there. I mean, obviously there was something inside you that was enough for you to say, okay, I can be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about that shift and how that flip happened because up to a certain point, you hadn't even thought about being an entrepreneur and then flip. Yeah. Switched over. So my dad, that's all he was. He owned a gas station. He always owned his own business and he owned a skate shop. And so I grew up watching Mm -hmm. this guy who was brilliant with his hands create things and okay, that business is done. Now we'll do this one. Um, And I always wanted, when I became a teacher, totally love it. Still do. My 21st year is about to start in a week. Congratulations. 21 years. Wow. It's awesome. And it's your first job out of college, right? Too. Only. Yeah. Your only job. My only career. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, And so I always wanted to reach more kids than just my assigned caseload. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of what I was talking about when I was like, but I squashed it because who am I to, you know have a business on the side to reach more kids. Did you see your dad as being successful as an entrepreneur? I felt like it. Yeah. Oh, okay. From a kid view. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, and I saw that it lit him up. Okay. Which was cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure if I dove into more like <laughs> on the actual business side, he liked the doing part, not the books part would be my guess. Gotcha. Um, but so, that was way under the surface that I wanted to reach more kids, but squashed it forever. And for me, thankfully, it was literally one conversation that flipped it. Hmm. Um, someone was asking me, you know, what what do you want to do, like, business-wise? And I was like, help adults get healthy? Like, I'm around teachers, you know, the stereotypical... I remember you were saying something like that yeah. before you actually launched the camp. Yes, yeah. yeah. So that was kind of in the brewing phase of thinking about it. And so I said, um, work with teachers to help them get more healthy. But it was like, maybe? Question mark? I don't know. Do I really want to work with teachers? (laughs) Do I work with them now? I just see what's going on around me. Yeah. Right? So you were already actually moving. It's That's cool, though, because you were already moving to a space of solving some problem that was existing out there. Yes. Which is what entrepreneurs do. Right. In case, for those of you watching or listening, don't know, that's what basically entrepreneurs do. That's the separation between entrepreneurship and business owner. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. You own a business or you are entrepreneurs. Like, I'm here to solve a problem. Yeah. Right? And so I don't remember what that person said, but I was like, oh, kids. Oh, my gosh. Not adults. And it was just like, whoosh, okay, here we go. Okay. And like five months later, I ran my first camp. Nice. Yeah. So... 
So all the hesitation before, what was the difference between that moment and and the moment that you said you finally took a step forward? Because prior to that, you were like, ah, who am I? 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 Yeah. I mean, what was the difference between that particular moment? The people I was around. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was the people that you I was loved. around entrepreneurs, but also on top of that, people who I really liked their energy. Mm. Um, and so just kind of it naturally seeped in without me like really mm. sitting down to think about, mm-hmm. okay, I want to create a business. Right. Like it just kind of like came together and yeah. It just felt. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's so funny that you you use the word. I think you actually use the word energy more than I do because, I mean, even prior to, um, you know, being in this world and everything, you were you've been using that word energy and how you, you know, you calibrated on energy. So let, let's talk a little bit about that, because I think, I mean, in the world that we live in right now, I mean, energy is being embraced a little bit more as opposed mm-hmm. to like, oh, what's that energy piece? Which is silly because energy is the basis around all existence, you know, and mm-hmm. it's what holds particles together. So you have a physical object. So I don't, I don't understand. Anyway, so yeah. we don't have to get off that, on that, on that soapbox, <laughs> but, uh, but, um, but let's talk about what, uh, you know, why, why energy is such an important piece for you in terms of before you even got trained, before you mm-hmm. even got learned all this stuff, but you were, okay. you were already calibrating on the, the, what feels good energetically versus what doesn't feel good and how important that is in the world of entrepreneurship or in life or in money. Mm-hmm. So I think I've always kind of had that in me throughout my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think teaching really amplified it because I teach students with disabilities. Um, I work for one district, but I have multiple sites. So I'm traveling around from school to school you know, I'll go to three to four schools a day, mm-hmm. every day throughout the week. And so that's a lot of staff and a lot of kids that I'm around. Mm. And so without really having the knowledge that I have now, you know, I'd walk into one school and be like, like uh-uh. that funky energy. Yeah. Feel, that like feeling. this is just, yeah, I'm just going to go service my kid and I'm out of here. Okay. Um, and then same with, you know, individual d- adults throughout, like, right. they're coming down the hallway, I'm going to go the other hallway just because I don't want you to spew your poop all over me. Like <laughs> Spew the- your poop. <laughs> your poopy energy. Stop spewing your the poopy energy. The only time they ever talk is, like, the trauma and drama mm-hmm. of whatever's going on. And so... And that's what you would call poopy energy. That's yeah. just like They're just, like, in that state. And I, I'm sure all of us know somebody or have come across people at least once in your life that is, like, Debbie Downer. Um, and, and not necessarily in a healthy way because there are people who are just naturally uh, a little bit more critical by nature. Right. We're talking about people who are toxic, fatigue, drama-filled. Yeah. They'll, then, they'll go to the ocean and find some way to make it an awful day. Right. It's like, it's like <laughs> pick I, something good out of your stinks. day. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, I didn't see any dolphins. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> what a waste of my day. It's like people who go to whale, whale watching. You know, they, they, they have them whale watchings that you don't always see right. a whale. It's not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee. But if you see it, great. If you don't see it, how do you make it a great day anyway? Right. right? Out on that, the ocean. I guess beautiful. that's the positive Pollyanna side, the positive impact of being a Pollyanna. And yeah. so that's so interesting that, you know, going back to you with the whole Pollyanna piece, is like sometimes it's applied in a very helpful way. And sometimes totally. it was a coping mechanism. Yes. You know, and, and was the energy different when you were applying it in a different way? Like when you're you're healthily positive yeah. versus coping it with positivity, like masking it, if you will. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, the the coping part would definitely be like sticking my head in the sand. Mm. So it. It's like, oh, look how pretty the dirt is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in here. So it's like forcing to just smile and everything's good. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side of that, it would get me through things like, ah, that's cute. No, thank you. I'm going to go over here. Right. I'm going to stay in my lane. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay. Now, um, what, how would you, because I'm, I'm, there's a lot of people and we live in a country that does that stay positive affirmations and everything like that, which if you've got stuff rumbling underneath, <laughs> it doesn't work well because over time, then you are basically telling you're lying to yourself. And you know, honestly, you know, when you're lying to yourself, Yeah. honestly, you know, when you're lying to yourself, <laughs> does that, is that, is that, is that yeah, does that make that, sense? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and did you ever encounter that being, you know, because th- I, I love this conversation because there's a lot of people in this world who buy into the affirmation things and are frustrated because it's not working for them. Let's talk about when you were doing the positivity thing and it wasn't working for you. What what was happening inside that you felt like, why didn't it work that this over-the-top positivity affirmation thing? And not to say that you shouldn't be that way, but just how it was used certain ways that wasn't kind of like being honest and truthful with yourself. Yeah. It felt like um, squeezing a brick to try to get water out of it mm-hmm. instead of squeezing an orange to get the juice out. Like right. so much easier. So it was just, it was a, a struggle. It felt, I, it, it actually ended, led to me wanting to unzip out of my skin. Like I was so miserable. I just. You're miserable pretending to be happy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so you're miserable because I, I, wanna... I didn't acknowledge any other feelings so it built up and wow. so it built up to a point where i was just like oh my god i want to move off this couch i just i literally visualized i just wanted to unzip and step out away out wow. yeah and, and and how often before learning and understanding that about yourself how often did it like impact and throw your life sideways because of that behavior pattern fortunately unfortunately it was so gradual that i wouldn't really always notice it oh and because it was like my go-to chord of just this is how i'm supposed to be Mm -hmm. um that it just almost felt normal Mm -hmm. because that was always how i operated right and eventually it just just hit a threshold and you're just like yeah you know Wow, and, and and you know, and what's so interesting is like we 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 for those of you who've been listening from the beginning, you remember this was due to this was due to a money story. Mm-hmm. The whole Pollyanna piece is a money story because you're using that as a way to cope mm-hmm. with stressful circumstances, right? Things around money, whatever the case may be. And did you find you that you know in your earlier part of your life that's using that as a coping mechanism, specifically around money, or was it just used? Across the board, ubiquitously for every. I think it quickly became across the board. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and so and this is why I love, you know, how you know, helping people understand that how important it is to talk about money stories oh because when you're talking about money stories in the world that we live in, anyway, capitalism and everything, when money is such a big deal, a big mm-hmm. part of all of our lives, how how much it starts to impact more than just the money piece in your life. It starts to impact all of your life. And that's why I see across the board when I work with my students and clients and we release their money story, their entire lives change because it starts there, but then it doesn't stay there. It starts to seep over like a virus and just kind of like gathers around. It's like that guy from Matrix. It's like a 
virus mm-hmm. and just goes on. <laughs> but anyway, so um, and so it's fascinating and, and just seeing that. So these three little stories that just started off as battling and not getting what I want to be a girl and just focused on activities and also the allowance piece, all that blended together to create unique circumstances in your life that made it a little bit more um, more struggle than actually was necessary. True. Right? Yeah. But now that you've worked on releasing a lot of that, what has shifted? What has changed? What's your what's your life like now? Um, so now I'm able to sit and be like, dang it, I'm pissed. Or and I'm really sad. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And be like, okay, so now what's the next step? Right. Cool. And do you find that when you're doing that, you're owning the fact what you're feeling without just covering it up? Do you it, it, it tend to, it, you tend not to stay angry as long? Or yeah, it doesn't become a thing. It just it doesn't comes and it goes. Yeah. So it's, it's like, like that really sucked, and I'm gonna sit in it for a second. Okay, time's <laughs> up now. So it doesn't get buried in there and mm-hmm. covered up with a layer of happy, happy, joy, joy. Right. Right. Yeah. What is that? Ren and Stimpy. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Is that Ren and Stimpy? Do you know that cartoon? No. Does anybody know that? Do you know that? Make a comment if you do. All right. So um, <laughs> anyway, so, okay, going back to superhero sports guys, let's talk yeah. about that, okay? Because we, I mean, otherwise we're going to lose track of time. It's almost an hour. Um, let's talk about your superhero sports camp and, and what that is. So this is your brainchild. This is what you came up with and you decided to go in that direction. Tell What's so cool about superhero sports camp? I mean, the name is cool, but yeah. The name's cool. The kids are cool. So basically the idea developed over um, my teaching career mm-hmm. of watching. So when I'm a teacher, I'm only working with kids with disabilities, mm. teaching them PE. Right. But I'm out on campuses that are you know, with the general education kids. So when I say gen ed, it's the general education or normal for the kids without disabilities. Um, so I'm around them, but I'm not teaching them directly. And there have been multiple times where I've either shadowed, followed one of my kids with disabilities during a recess or during a general education PE class mm-hmm. where they're in with all the other students. Um, of their age level, but Mm -hmm. that don't have disabilities and watching that interaction with them Mm -hmm. is just so magical. It's amazing. And so this camp is basically built to give those kids that opportunity Mm -hmm. to have those magical moments of being superheroes for each other. Wow. So it's, so what's different about your particular sports camp is the fact that it's a mix. It's both gen ed, as you said, right? Yes. And special needs kids. Yes. Whereas most other sports camps out there are either just for gen ed kids or just for special needs kids. Right. And which kind of creates, I think, I think the problem that you're solving as an entrepreneur with this camp is to, to bridge that gap so that they don't continue to create that divide. Because that divide happens at school already. Right. Right? And so this actually helps kind of bring it all back together. And what, what are some of the things that you've seen happen you know, mm. in the last two years? So, um, yeah, it's so cool. So I had one camp where I just had two campers. Okay. Um, one was a totally typical kid, super sporty, involved in like every gen ed kid. Si- yep, gen okay. ed kid, involved in every sports league through the city that he could had time for. <laughs> um, and the other kiddo is a um single child. Uh-huh. Um, 
when you look at him on the playground, you wouldn't necessarily know that he has disabilities, but he's got some stuff. Um, definitely got some health stuff okay. um, from when he was born right. um, that kind of affects. So he's kind of like he's kind of like doughy, just kind of mushy and very <laughs> floppy. Um, so I had this super athlete and this non-athletic kid together, and those right. were the only kids I had. And so I didn't prime either of them. Right. I knew both of them before they, they came to camp, but they didn't know each other. Mm-hmm. And so we started with basketball. And I could kind of tell the the gen ed kid was super excited because he's at the time he was currently in a basketball league. Oh, cool. And so I kind of stepped back and instantly without me priming or setting up, like giving a suggestion, I was quiet and he went over and he's like, okay, so the best way to hold the basketball is to put your hand like this and was totally coaching the little non-athletic kiddo. Cool. And every time that non-athletic kiddo with the special needs got close to the basket or made it, the other one was cheering for him. It was so awesome. So at the end of the day, we did hockey. Because uh-huh. I do every sport that I can get my hands on equipment for. So it's not just like my, just a Maybe you'll camp. take over and buy, play it against sports and buy, get <laughs> There <host>. you go. <laughs> That's your next gig. <laughs> so at the end of the day, we did hockey. And since it was two of them, we worked on some skills. And then we did a shootout. And the kiddo with the disabilities actually beat the gen ed kid. And that's wow. what he did. He was like... That's so cool. Oh, and he wasn't like. But he wasn't like right. destroyed that this non-athletic kid just beat the super athlete. He was like, he beat me. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it was so cool. That's so cool. Yeah, you know, and, and I think that's what's so unique and, and, and about what it is that you're doing. And I think that's a lot of what drives you having seen this. Did you expect that it would be this impactful or this type of dynamic would come out of it i mean it was an idea yeah it was here right yeah but after seeing it in action and seeing the results so cool so cool right (laughs) we so now it's just a matter about scaling up now and getting it to the next level so what's next for the superhero sports camp what what are you envisioning that you want to do because right now when when it started what are you averaging now actually per per camp so i'm probably averaging four kids a camp Mm -hmm. um And what I really want, so most of my campers that have come Uh have been my adapted PE students because I have access to That's the word, adapted PE. I was like, what is it? (laughs) Special needs, PE, physical education, adapted PE. Yeah, there you go. Adapted PE. So that's been most of my campers because I have access to them through the school year and the parents already know me because we're in meetings together and I'm working with their kids. Right. Um, What I don't really have access to is the gen ed kids that don't have Mm. the disabilities. Um, I really want them to, I want their parents to discover this camp exists Mm -hmm. so that they can come and experience the magic. Got it. So that's the challenge right now is just mm -hmm. more people knowing about this amazing camp. Um, And and so what what do you feel like the biggest challenge is? Is it because um, uh, funding it? Oh, you also were, are in the process of making it a nonprofit. I am. Yeah. I'm actually waiting for the state to get back to me on the final step. So I've done all the paperwork and I'm just waiting for my EIN number uh-huh. and then it'll be official. So I've already been approved as a nonprofit. I oh. just haven't been assigned the number. Oh, congratulations. Thank so you. that means that opens it all up for a world of possibilities for people to help 
you know, kind of grow um, the, the superhero sports camp. Yeah. And I purposely waited. I, you know, asked the smart people around me when I first started this, should I make it a nonprofit? Mm -hmm. And it was recommended maybe down the line. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But right now just go, just right. step into it. Cause right. it's a lengthy process. It is. And so <laughs> is. I finally started that though, because of the, because of the money story pieces that were coming from other parents, right. being a nonprofit will allow me to create scholarships. So it'll Got take it. me out of, I'm just going to dump the money because I want to help your kid. Right. I can still get that money piece in right. to maintain my camp huh. and the kids get to participate. So people can donate either, um, you know, they're all have links for right. like Amazon. Like I want this equipment so you can buy that piece of equipment for the camp or you can donate into the scholarship piece um, so that kids, yeah, kids, money, parents, kids who have parents with money stories doesn't prevent them right. from signing their kid up. Yeah. And it makes me kind of wonder, I, might, I probably will just have you come back on a show because had I known you were that close, I would have said, let's wait because that way we can tell the audience like, you know, you can, you can actually have people be part of it, contribute yeah. to the nonprofit so that you can help fund and create larger, you know, be able to scholarship more kids, mm -hmm. kids who can't do it. I mean, I donate all the time to the Leap Foundation, which is a UCLA uh, summer camp to help kids who are who are not able to get the education about entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And I get these cards from them and say, thank you for your con contribution so that they can find these kids who can't afford it and say, make sure that they can still get it. That's awesome. You know, so I, I think that's a, it's such a very cool move. And I think I'll just have you come back on the show again once you have something where you have a link back. where people can, you know, contribute mm -hmm. or maybe be part of it. Um, you can do some crowdfunding stuff. That would be super, super cool, especially because if you go crowdfunding, the social piece, that's a nonprofit. And just getting these, you probably get some cool videos about these kids and showing these kids playing with, you know, just bridging that gap and yeah. how important that is yeah. for the development, not just for the gen ed kids, but oh, also they for both learn from each other. Like it's powerful for both. Yeah. It doesn't matter what type of kid you have. Right. Like the character building and right. the stuff that they get from this camp, they think they're coming to play sports, but the stuff that's happening under the surface, right. um, and most of the time, it's just them naturally, you know, I don't have to do a whole lot. Like, yeah, I'm just creating the camp. Organically, just yeah. happens, right? There you go. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that. <laughs> and so it's like a, a, it's a superhero thing. Now, there are probably going to be parents, I'm pretty sure that, you know, when this, when this goes live, um, that there's going to be parents that do have special need kids that do want to have more interaction with gen ed kids and be able to make sure that their kid grows up not feeling segregated, but part of, not like a part versus part of, right? right. Um, so so how, how do they best connect with you or, or, or find out more information about the superhero sports camp? That happens year-round? Yeah, so what I do is um, year-round throughout the school year is – um, the third Saturday mm -hmm. of every month, we mm -hmm. hold one camp. Mm -hmm. And then spring break and summertime, it kind of depends on what my traveling is. Right. But um, like this year, I did summer school. Right. And so I did a Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday camp. Got it. The last summer, I didn't do summer school. And so I did 
two different week-long camps. So it oh, kind of cool. depends, but yeah, I definitely do stuff in the summertime and then potentially spring break. Mm-hmm. I haven't done anything over Christmas break, but I think as the camp grows, like have a, what I envision Snow is, day. It, <laughs> what I envision is having like a camp or two so parents can go shop. Right. Like I've got your kids. And that's the other cool thing about the camp is I've designed it where parents drop the kids off to me and right. I don't expect you to stay like go. Yeah. I mean, I mean and, and I, th- I don't think a lot of people who have gen ed kids realize just how much of a break, how significant that break is, because when you have special needs kids, it's like it's like super parenting. It's not just parenting. It's super parenting yeah. because they're special, not because they're less than. Is that they, they're, I mean, if you remember the movie Rain Man, right? I mean, he was super smart and super intelligent. Yeah. And, and, but it's just so hyper-focused in a specific direction that it requires a different type of parenting mm-hmm. style that nobody is raised to know how to do. Mm-mm. You know, I mean, some people are, but, you know, if you have like a sibling that's right. that way, then you grow up, you know, understand what that yeah. is. Yeah. And I've seen families with, you know, a typical developing student or child and one with disabilities. And so they go off. And if you think about camps for gen ed kids Mm -hmm. there's everything under the sun like you any topic of a camp but as soon as you introduce hey i've got two kids one has disabilities it's like ooh, um, i don't think we have the framework or the infrastructure to support that right so you drop off your typical developing kid and and now you're and imagine what that does to the special needs kids growing up it's like why do i never get to go where brother goes or sister goes yeah because even if they're not cognitively high enough functioning or verbally high enough they still still know they feel it yeah they totally and and you know and 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 the sad thing is you know i i suspect down the road your can could probably even save marriages because the strain it must have to be because nobody plans to have a special needs kids, Mm-mm. okay? And it doesn't mean it's wrong to have one or it's right. bad to have one. It just is, right? Right. In which case, and, and sometimes I've seen circumstances where the strain is so much that it actually breaks relationships. Oh. I'm sure you've seen it. Yes. In 20 years of teaching, yeah. I've yeah. definitely seen divorces. And it's, and it's unfortunate because, you know, like you said, they didn't plan it. The parents don't do anything wrong. Right. The, the kids with disabilities are actually high level amazing angels Mm -hmm. um that have been put on this planet to teach us all lessons um but yeah it's it's a different beast of its own like and our and our culture doesn't cultivate uh or empower parents to easily understand what it takes to you know have special needs kids in your life and it actually almost um makes it harder because there's some underlying judgments like there's something wrong when in fact it's just different. Right. Right. And I, so I think as your organize or your business grows, um, and again, as a nonprofit it has an opportunity to grow even more, the level of impact it can have on society itself could be huge. Right. Because nobody else I don't think is doing this. Right. Not that I've found okay. not, there's some organizations that combine the populations like friendship circle is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, but they do more community based stuff. Okay. So they're like pairing up. So your, uh, kid with disabilities is paired up with a 
gen ed kid mm-hmm. and we all go bowling together. Got it. So, and that it's awesome. I love their setup, but from what I've searched so far, there's none that are doing sports. Sports, right. And combining the population. Yeah, and sports is such a big piece because you know, the somatic, the physical body, moving everything. And I, I think kids don't move enough as it is, and yeah. as a requirement. There are kids, obviously, who love moving around. They just choose to and they just go do sports, right? And right. They, they get, Mom, pay for this. Yeah. But there are kids that if I don't have to, I won't do it. And that takes away so much of the development. Right. Um, because there's it's not just your mind, it's your physical body too. Right. You can tell that to my yeah. dad again. Anyway, so <laughs> but um but, And really quick, mm-hmm. um, for the nonprofit kind of what you were talking about a little bit, I also want to um start infusing in the ultimate life tool. So right. having the families take the test so that they can better understand each other mm-hmm. um and have that tied into right. attending the camp. And that's smart because nobody else is that will absolutely make your camp so much more different than because nobody else is absolutely doing that. You know, and for those of you who are listening, say, what are you talking about? Ultimate life tool. That is a patented human assessment technology that literally gives the parents the operating manual of their child. And as a special needs kid, it's so even more valuable than a gen ed kid because if they can't verbally communicate or whatever the case may be, but still being able to know what drives them, what makes them tick, what the communication styles actually are, that's what that technology is so you know i know you dropped the ultimate life tool because people are like saying well what is that you know google it it's out there but it's a a, a, you know it's it's a it's a patented human assessment technology that is based on the physical body versus our psychometrics which is makes the most volatile side of human existence right um for more information you go to humanoptech.com but anyway uh (laughs) But that's not your business. So I mean, you're a trained practitioner and you utilize that technology. Yeah. Okay. So if people want to get a hold of you, ask questions, um, or you know, maybe get more information about the camps, yeah. what's the best way that they can reach out to you? I think the easiest one is my website. Okay. So it's www.superherosportscamp.com www.superherosportscat.com and, and the sports is below. plural um, and there's a link where you can ask for more information so it goes directly to my email and then okay. we can have conversation from there great and even if they just have questions or just go there first yeah my my website has a video of me kind of explaining mm-hmm. why the camp exists who am I um, and then it also has the prices and the Schedule. dates okay. of upcoming camps. So it kind of has a little of everything that you need Very to get cool. started on. And eventually, maybe camp. maybe not doing it just in the California, South Bay area, but maybe beyond, right? That would be cool. Creating these little satellite cells mm-hmm. of superhero sports camps yeah. all over the world. Because there are superheroes all over the world. Yeah. I mean, have you seen that show, Heroes? All over the world, there's... These superhero people. Exactly. Good, bad. <laughs> I want to get capes. How get cool cape? would that be? You didn't get capes already? We, I think you talked about that before, getting them little capes. It's like, hey, you finished the camp. Here's a cape. Yeah. Right? And yeah. then take a picture. Yeah. Um, and all these kind of, anyway, all kinds of cool stuff. And so, again, congratulations for getting Thank the you. business, staying in the business. I mean, two years is a big mark for most entrepreneurs. And the fact that you got approved to be nonprofit. So there's so, so many different things in so many different ways. So for those of you who are thinking about an idea or even have an inkling of, or a, a mini fire inside you, becoming an entrepreneur, um, get your money story handled. You know, you know, understand what that is. And, you know, for someone like, you know, if you're anything like Carol, who's like, I could never be an entrepreneur, just take the step, take the leap and just 
move forward. Otherwise, you're stuck in analysis paralysis for a right. long time, right? So many cool little things for uh, from from today's uh, episode. And um, thank you. This was amazing. Yeah, Thanks for, for having me. Yeah, this is super cool. And finding out just your money story and how that all translated, this journey that we went on. I feel like it's only been an hour, but I feel like we've tra- traversed space and time. Totally. Or, or to, to all kinds of things. But anyway. I've even learned a lot, which is awesome. <laughs> well, we'd love to have you back at some point. Once you get the whole, you get your number and everything like that. And Beautiful. you start to have a way for people to who can't maybe go to camp or who just want to be part of um, your mission yeah. and your vision that awesome. they can contribute and help support the cause. I'd love so to come back. So we'd love to have you come back and then cool. um, then we can kind of update people on where things are, right? And yeah. hopefully at that time you'll tell us more things that have happened, more money stories you've let go, okay? So anyway, cool. So that's our show for this week. Again, if you found this episode to be valuable and if you didn't, you must have been listening to something else the whole time because there's so much cool value that came out today from our, from our conversation with Carol and know of someone else that could could benefit from what we talked about today, then again, share it. Okay. Someone out there that you know, and especially if you know somebody who is dealing with the challenges of having special needs kids or know of somebody who's living with one, or maybe you are your sibling or you grew up with one and want to kind of share a story or maybe connect with Carol, definitely share this to that person. Make sure to also subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you go, whatever your go-to platform is to consume content. And make sure you don't ever miss a new episode by subscribing. Okay, so that is pretty much it. Um, that's a wrap. Have an amazing week. Taking all the money knowledge from this and all the stories that Carol shared and everything like that. And if you know somebody who can take advantage of Carol's business, make sure you connect with that. And then join me on the next episode of the Money Lab Podcast. This is Way and Carol signing off. Bye. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.